Hi, everybody. Great to see you again. Well, actually, I can't see you, but you can see me. So great to be seen by all of you this morning. Um, yeah, one of the groups we're running right now, the online small groups, is the Alpha course. And uh, I, I love Alpha. I've been reminded of that as I'm going through it again with some people. I, I've probably done the Alpha course a dozen times over the last 20 years, but each time I'm reminded just on how much it helps me uh, grow in my faith and and uh, just get excited about having a relationship with Jesus. And we were talking about that after one of our sessions a couple of weeks ago. In Alpha, you watch a video and then you spend some time talking about it. So we had watched this video called Who is Jesus? And then we were talking afterwards about how all of us who are going through Alpha right now went to church when we were growing up. but for all of us, that's pretty much what it was. We just went to church and we were talking about what a difference it made in our lives when we actually came to have a relationship with Jesus and how that transformed us and how much better that was uh, than simply going through the motions of religion by going to church. And, uh, and I think that has a lot to do with what John's talking about in his gospel today too. So I'm going to pray and then we're gonna look at the gospel of John. So Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you uh, for your word. Thank you that, that your spirit is here with us, uh, he, that you are with each person right where they are at right now. And I pray that you would open up the scriptures and use these words to encourage us and strengthen us and draw us uh, more and more deeply into that relationship with Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to read to you from John chapter 14, and this is verses 15 to 17. Jesus is speaking, and he said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So if you love me, you'll keep my commands, Jesus said. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, um, that verse can make my anxiety go up. <laughs> I don't know if it's my uh, upbringing or just the way I'm wired, but, but the meaning I can make from that verse when I hear it is that I'm not doing well enough. Now, if I really love Jesus, I would be obeying him a whole lot better than I am. Uh, but I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to get out of that sentence. Uh, you know, Adam was talking last week about how John 14 and really all the way through John 15, 16, 17, it's all a part of this conversation that Jesus had with his disciples just before he was arrested and then crucified. And the theme for chapter 14 in particular, is set for us in verse 1 of John 14. And there Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled, or don't be anxious would be another way to put that. So if there is something that I am reading in John 14 that is making me anxious, I think I'm probably missing the point of what Jesus is trying to do in me. You know, anxiety is something I've thought about quite a bit over the last few months. 
Uh, I've been going through a course called Faith Walking. I actually just finished uh, uh, another section of it a week or so ago. And uh, in Faith Walking, anxiety is one of the topics we delve into pretty deeply. Uh, and anxiety is actually a, really a God-given gift to us. You wouldn't necessarily think that, but, but in its proper form, anxiety is given to us uh, to protect us. You know, if, if I'm walking down the street and this big dog comes racing out from behind a house and he's barking and growling and coming straight at me, my heartbeat's gonna start accelerating. My adrenaline's gonna start pumping uh, through my body and I'm going to get ready to either fight or flee, right? Probably flee in this case. Um, that's anxiety at work in the way it was designed to be to operate. It was designed to be something to alert our bodies that we need to do something to protect ourselves from a real threat. And that kind of anxiety is called acute anxiety. It's, it's a response to a specific threat at a particular time when we really knew, do need to do something. The problem is, is that all of us, to one degree or another, also carry a lot of what is called chronic anxiety. Now, chronic anxiety is more like background noise. It's, it's this anxiety that is going on all the time, uh, and it's not in response to a particular threat or a particular time. And the chronic anxiety that we carry causes us to respond to various events or experiences in ways that aren't necessarily helpful to us. In fact, just the chronic anxiety itself can be harmful to us over time. And I think that's the kind of anxiety that Jesus wants to set us free from when he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. How do you do that? Well, he said, believe in me, believe also in God, in verse one. That's the second half of, of John 14, one. But I don't think what he means by that is believe that God exists, or even maybe believe that Jesus is the son of God, as, as important as those things are. That's not what he's talking about. I think what Jesus is talking about is trusting him, trusting in his goodness, trusting in his love, trusting in his care for us. Hudson Taylor, uh, who is a, a famous missionary to China translated that, believe in God, believe also in me. He translated that as, hold on to my faithfulness. And I love the way he said that, hold on to my faithfulness. So with that in mind, I wanna jump back to the section I read, starting in verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Well, the word love there is the Greek word agape. And agape is describing the kind of love with which God has for us. It's a covenant love. It's, it's not about emotion. It's, it's not about feeling. Not that those aren't important, but it's just not what that's talking about. See, I don't think in this verse, Jesus is kind of whining, saying, if you loved me, you'd obey me better. Um, nor is he criticizing us or judging us. You know, that covenant love... Um, refers to a, a binding commitment God has made to us to be faithful. A binding commitment he's made to us to be faithful. And then when we love God, our love is a response to his love, right? That's what John says in another place. Uh, um, we love because he first loved us. Um, so 
Our love is really a response to God's binding commitment to be faithful to us. It's us trusting in that faithfulness, believing that that's who he is and that he's going to be good to us. He's going to protect us and care for us and love us no matter what. That's how we love him in response. And I think what Jesus is saying in this verse, in verse 15, he's saying, if you will love me in that way, if you will love me with that kind of agape love, trusting in my faithfulness that is a binding commitment to you, your life is going to change. You know, you're going to be set free from the kinds of anxiety and worry that, that might torment your life otherwise. You're going to be set free to love me and love others the way Jesus does. See, your life is going to be changed. That's what it means. Jesus said later on in, in this chapter, or maybe it's John 15, he said that, that what, the love, or what obeying his commands looks like is loving God and loving others. That's what it, what it actually means. And Jesus said, if you trust me, if you love me, your life is gonna be changed so that you can do that. In fact, um, Jesus is saying, I love you so much, God loves you so much that I'm gonna send another counselor to be with you. Um, you know, Jesus was going away at this point. He was preparing his disciples for that, but he said, I'm gonna send you another counselor and someone else to be with you. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and be in you to be an encourager and a comforter. And it's the Holy Spirit in you that's actually going to enable you to trust me, to trust in my love and to trust in my faithfulness. And you'll be able to do what might not come naturally to you because the Holy Spirit is in you and he will do that transforming work in you. So let me read a little more, starting in verse 18. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. <clears throat> you know, being an orphan, especially back in the first century, was not a great place to be. It was a precarious way to live. Uh, uh, you, you basically were responsible for your own security. You had no mother, you had no father to care for you. Um, anything you needed, you had to get for yourself. So it was, it was a dangerous way to live. And so as Jesus is, is heading back um, you know, towards heaven is, is what he's telling his kids, heading back to the father, telling not his kids, his disciples, heading back to the father, um, He's saying, I'm not going to leave you as, as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And that's true for us, that the Holy Spirit is with us. But the problem is, I think, is it's really easy for us to live like we are orphans, like we are responsible for our own security. We are responsible for our own protection. We are responsible for our own provision. Everything is up to us. It's really easy for us to fall into that way of thinking. And I think that's what's at the root of much of that chronic anxiety that we live with. 
So he invites us instead to love him, to hold on to his faithfulness, uh, to, to trust in his goodness, trust in his care for us, saying, you're not orphans. I'm here with you. My Holy Spirit is in you. So hold on to my faithfulness. So the question is, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we make that more real for us? Well, I think a really important part of how we do it is something Erica talked about in one of her devotionals uh, a couple of weeks ago is we remember. And we remember what God has done for us. We remember how he's been faithful to us in the past. Uh, we, we bring those things to mind. Remembering even sounds a little passive, but uh, we recall intentionally. We think back and recall how God has been faithful. Because if he's been faithful to us in the past, we can then be confident that he's gonna be faithful to us now. You know, if, if you read the Old Testament, the Israelites were always uh, building monuments here and there. You know, God would come usually in a very difficult time, a dangerous time, and he would do something tremendous, something miraculous to deliver them or protect them or provide for them. And, and then he would say, now build a monument, you know, build this pile of rocks somewhere or build an altar somewhere so that when you get in another difficult time, you can come back to that monument and you can look at it and you can remember, oh yeah, God was faithful to us back then. He took care of us back then. He's gonna do it now. I can hold on to his faithfulness. So when I think back over my own life, um, I mean, there's countless ways God has been faithful to me, but there's some pretty big monument stones, you could say, that, that I remember. You know, I think back to when Lisa and I were first married and you know, we wanted to have kids um, really badly. Lisa really wanted to have kids badly, but we weren't able to get pregnant. And it took about four years um, before she finally was pregnant the first time. And then halfway through the pregnancy, we lost the baby. It was a really difficult time for us, really dark time for us. Um, but then about a year later, um, she was pregnant again. We went in for an ultrasound and I'll always remember that day when the uh, doctor came out of the room, said, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mulcahy, congratulations to the proud parents of twins. And uh, we were just elated. It's like God was so faithful. You know, not only did he give us another child, he gave us two children at that point. And so it's a monument stone for me. It's, it's something that I remember. And so I can lay that down and begin to build my monument. Um, then I think in the early years of the church, when we were just planting it and it was, you know, so small, it was such hard work and we were trying to provide different kinds of services uh, for the people who were coming. We wanted to have uh, some kind of a kids program and we had no one to run it. And, and um, I remember late in the fall one year, we had, we had gone to um, a conference with some other pastors and uh, someone had prayed for us and given us a prophetic word about how God would be providing the people we need to help us plant and lead this church. And then, um, so it was a few months later, it was in January, um, this couple uh, moved from Hawaii to Wisconsin in January. That, that's a miracle right there. Um, they actually arrived, their plane landed during a snowstorm, but they came and they found us somehow. We didn't know them. We didn't know them at all. 
but they found us and they told us they had moved from Hawaii to Wisconsin because they believed God wanted them to help with a church plant. And so they came and they were our very first children's leaders here at the Vineyard and were with us for years. Um, you fast forward a few years beyond that to when we wanted to, uh, I forgot to put my stone down. That was my second stone in my monument. A um, few years later, um, we uh, wanted to find a place to have a permanent home for the church. We were meeting in the old police station in Cedarburg, and uh, we knew we had to move out of there, and, uh, but we didn't know where we were going to go, and we found this piece of land that was for sale. Um, and the owners wanted $300,000 for it. We had a total of $10,000 in our building fund, which wasn't going to do much. Um, but the three women who owned this piece of property were so excited about the idea of having a church here that they decided to uh, donate $100,000 of the building price. That's another monument or stone for me to add to my monument. And then a few years later than that, we had moved into the church, um, which was kind of a stretch. We'd gone from spending about $1,000 a month on rent and utilities at the police station to about $10,000 a month on the mortgage and utilities here. So overnight, it was a huge increase in cost. We were really tight on money during that time. Um, not sure what we were going to do. After the service, this couple comes up to us and uh, wants to talk to Lisa and me, and they take us aside and said they had unexpectedly, totally unexpectedly, inherited a million dollars and wanted to tithe on that to the church. So another $100,000 came in, and it changed the shape of our church for moving forward. So another stone for my monument. And there's lots more. I think of all the people that, uh, that God has brought since then, too. You know, all of our staff members, all of many of you who come and you help and you serve in so many ways, they're, they're monument stones for me of how God has been faithful. So when I think of those things and I look back at my little tower of rocks here, I can remember that God is faithful and I can hold on to his faithfulness. Um, and, and isn't it interesting how often the, the stones that we have, these memories that we have of God's faithfulness, come to us out of really difficult times. Um, but then in the difficult times in the future, we can look back and we can hold on to God's faithfulness. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. Think of how God has been faithful to you because when we do that, when we hold on to his faithfulness, then we can live out what Jesus talks about in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. Don't give in to the anxiety. You know, we live in anxious times, and not just because of the pandemic. Um, there's lots of things that can feed into this chronic anxiety in which we live right now. But our God is faithful, and we can hold on to his faithfulness. We can be people of peace. We can be the light in the darkness. We can be a non-anxious presence in this sea of anxiety around us. Uh, and we can, we can 
allow people to see how God's Holy Spirit is moving in this time right now because they see his peace in us. And that's a powerful witness we can make to the world. So hold on to God's faithfulness. Let's hold on to him as, we, as his wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing through this time and see where he takes us. So something you might want to think about is how is God being faithful to you right now? You know, what is uh, your rock of faithfulness right now during this time? What's he been doing for you in the past week or the past month or during this quarantine time? What can you take hold of and, and, and write down and recall um, about his faithfulness? Um, encourage you to do that. You might, if you have something comes to mind, you might even want to put it into the chat window right now and share it with all of us. So um, let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Thank you that we can hold on to your faithfulness. And I pray that in the days and the weeks ahead, you would help all of us recall all of the ways you have been faithful in the past so that we can hold on to your faithfulness now. In Jesus' name, amen.